Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer and this is episode 39. Update. Yes, all of my hard work paid off. The podcast has returned to all of its regular platforms, including iHeart, Spotify, and Apple. And of course, by hard work, I mean a little bit of actual work and lots and lots of praying and frustration crying, but it worked. And I can't tell you how happy that makes me. When I woke up Thursday morning and saw that it had actually posted, <laughs> I, I did that meme, you know, where the girl holds her hands up in the air and closes her eyes and she's just praising God. Yeah, that, that was me Thursday morning. I, I literally woke up, grabbed my phone, went on Apple Podcasts to see if it had posted and it had. And I was so relieved. I can't tell you why there were so many issues because I, I honestly don't know. I can just say that I think they're all behind us now. Thank you. Eight pounds, six ounce, sweet baby Jesus. That's from Talladega Nights. <laughs> I love that movie. Dear tiny Jesus in your golden fleece diaper with your tiny little fat balled up fists. <laughs> One of my measures of how good a movie is, is how many hilarious quotable lines it has. And that movie is full of them. I'm just so glad that the issue has been resolved because the last few weeks have been incredibly stressful. The, the real job, the day job, that's been crazy. It's been very busy. We had a big event that happened just a few days ago, but you know, a lot of organizing and setting up and stuff that needed to be done for that. Thank God that's over though. But in dealing with that and with the podcast, oh, I was so stressed. I was so on edge, so emotional. <laughs> it's weeks like these that it's probably a good thing that I am single because I was not fun to be around. But Things are starting to level off and get back to normal, and I am feeling more like my old self, whatever that means, for better or worse. TV podcast recommendations. This week, I watched a, a documentary on Netflix called My Love. It is a six-part series focusing on couples from around the world. Filmmaker Mo Young Jin films six couples over the course of a year, and you know, there, there's they're not celebrities. There's, there's nothing special about them. They're just ordinary people. The most remarkable thing is each couple has been together at least 40 years. I loved it. It was so good. So heartbreakingly sweet. It is the story of not only their decades long love story, but also their day to day love story it was so good. Like I said, it's six couples. My two favorite episodes were the couple from Japan and the couple from Korea, but they're all very good. And remember a few weeks back when I told you about my love for the Ghost Brothers? Well, they have a new show out on the Travel Channel called Lights Out with the Ghost Brothers. And of course, I have already binged it. And of course, I loved it <laughs> because I love those guys. Oh, and breaking news. 
Uh, Prince Philip's official cause of death, according to the royal doctors, has been listed as old age. I mean, didn't didn't we all sort of know that already? Dude was 99 years old. I don't know that we needed an official statement from the queen. Was anyone really wondering <laughs> what his cause of death was? He was 99. Isn't that cause enough? Oh, and side note, I really hate those new TJ Maxx commercials. All right, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So this week, news broke about the ending of Bill and Melinda Gates' marriage. I didn't know much about them, other than he's the Microsoft guy, they're super rich, and they give away a lot of their money through their foundation. Like, a lot of money. Recent estimates put it at around $50 billion. That's billion with a B. But that was pretty much all I knew about them. But yet when I found out that they were divorcing, I was intrigued for a few different reasons. One, of course, the money. I have no idea how it will be split, but even if she only gets a small percentage, which I'm sure she'll get more than a small percentage, she'll be set for life. Their kids will be set for life. Their grandkids will probably also be set for life. But also, I was surprised to find out they were splitting because they seemed to do so well together. They were married for 27 years. He's 65, she's 56. They met when she started working at Microsoft, and they have three children. According to several articles I read, they were actually having problems for years and were just waiting for their youngest to graduate from high school before they split for good. A quote by Bill Gates stated that they no longer believed they could grow together as a couple into the next phase of their life. When I read that, that was just so sad to me. To think that as a couple, they could invest so much time and effort into a relationship only to get to retirement age and realize that while they still share an interest in growing their foundation, they don't have enough interest in the marriage or each other to continue to stay together. That doesn't make me feel great about getting married again. I mean, I guess that happens. You do hear it a lot. Couples who have been together for decades, reaching a certain age and realizing they don't have a lot in common anymore. Maybe they married young, started a family, and that sustained them through many years. But then the kids grew up and moved out, and suddenly they found themselves living with a stranger. What happened to the person they fell in love with all of those years ago? It's sad to say, but there are also rumors of infidelity on Bill's part. Allegedly, Bill had an ex-girlfriend with whom he was spending a lot of time recently. There is even speculation that Bill and Melinda had a long-standing agreement where Bill was allowed to spend one long weekend a year with his ex. I don't know how I feel about that. On one hand, if that agreement works for you, great. But their marriage is ending, so even that didn't work. I think whatever two people decide to do in order to make their marriage work, if they both want to stay married, 
is fine, as long as it's mutually agreed upon. Because let's face it, according to recent studies, 50% of marriages end in divorce. 50%. Those are not good odds. If you knew that every time you boarded a plane or got into a car that there was a 50% chance of not surviving the trip, would you go? I wouldn't. And you can believe that the airline and automobile industries would be working day and night to make things safer. In recent years, with the marriage rates decreasing and divorce rates increasing, there have been a lot of studies done on what are considered standard marriage rules and traditions and whether they still apply to today's societal needs. And maybe it's time to look at this, to consider standard marriage rules, because obviously, with the 50% divorce rate, something is not working. More and more couples are learning that what have been considered traditional marriage standards just don't work for them. Because many of these standards are centuries old, dating back to the 1400s, when people didn't live as long. Average life expectancy back then was 20 to 30 years, so till death do us part didn't seem that unreasonable. Today, though, people are living well into their 80s and 90s, so the idea of being married and faithful to only one person for 60 or even 70 years isn't that far-fetched anymore. But is it realistic? Millennials and post-millennials don't seem to think so. The marriage rate among them has plummeted in recent years. Maybe it's because so many of them have seen their parents divorce. By the time I was of marrying age, the idea of marriage was already starting to lose its luster. Between 1960 and 1990, the rate of marriage among Americans in their 20s had dropped by more than 19%. But still, for the majority of people my age, marriage was just the next inevitable step after being in a relationship with the same person for a period of time. What were we going to do? Just date each other for the rest of our lives? It was how we showed the world and each other that we were serious about our commitment. Nowadays, marriage is even less popular. A study done in 2018 showed that of the American adults polled, 27% weren't sure that marriage was for them, and another 14% didn't plan on marrying at all. Of all marriages across the globe, Americans still marry more than the majority of the other Western countries. We also have the highest divorce rate. Divorce is everywhere. But does divorce really lead to societal breakdown? Is it worse to stay in an unhappy marriage for the sake of the children, like Bill and Melinda? I don't believe that divorce is harmful to children, especially if the home situation with the parents staying together is abusive or contentious. Feeling safe and peaceful is what's important for the children. And if divorce will accomplish that, how can that be harmful? I, of course, say this as someone who doesn't have kids. But if a child witnesses two parents agreeing to stay in a bad marriage, that child learns to also stay in a bad situation. Of the many fundamental traditions of marriage, one of the most basic is that of monogamy. I remember 
a long time ago, having an argument with a guy who was trying to convince me that men inherently cannot be monogamous because biologically they are built to, quote, spread their seed, end quote, in order to populate. And I can remember, even at the tender age of around 19, saying, that's a load of crap. It takes two people to populate. So why should men get a free pass? But was he right? Is monogamy a natural state? Can anyone, man or woman, be expected to stay faithful to one person for the rest of their lives, 40, 50, or even 60 years in some cases? These are, there are standards for marriage that every couple is expected to adhere to. They're even stated in the vows. Love, honor, cherish, forsaking all others, or something to that effect. The biggest problem with monogamy is not that you're expected to only sleep with one person for the rest of your life. It's that couples don't discuss what monogamy actually means to them. They don't talk about what they consider to be cheating. There's just this sort of vague understanding of what being faithful to each other means. Cheating isn't always sleeping with someone else. For some people, their partner viewing pornography is cheating. For others, sexting or cybersex is where they draw the line. In an article I read in Psychology Today, a sex therapist was talking with a gay couple who said they were monogamous. Several months in, the couple discussed having had a three-way sexual experience. When the therapist questioned this, saying, I thought you guys said you were monogamous, both men agreed, saying, we are. They explained that they only have three ways together and are never sexual with others apart from each other. This was their definition of being faithful to each other, and it worked for them because they had an agreement. They had had a discussion and come together in a mutual understanding of what they would and would not tolerate in their marriage. They had consensual monogamy. With consensual monogamy, both people have a discussion about what loyalty and faithfulness means to them. Usually it means sexual intimacy with only each other. But what about emotional intimacy? Everything needs to be discussed and agreed upon. The idea of consensual or open monogamy is growing, especially among millennials. Will it work? Will it drive down divorce rates, thus making it feel safer to enter into a committed union? I don't know. Only time will tell. Monogamy aside, people are living longer, which means relationships have the potential of lasting longer. How do you stay together and connected and also be able to grow as individual people? I don't know anyone currently in their 50s or older, who is the same person now as the one I met when they were in their 20s. They've grown. They've matured. They've made mistakes and they've learned from them. Ideally, in a marriage, two people would do this together. But even Bill and Melinda Gates, who seemingly had so much in common, so many shared goals, realized that after 27 years of marriage, they were growing in different directions. Sometimes the marriage experiences hard times. Maybe there's a job loss or a medical crisis, or maybe it's just a long string of day-to-day -day stressors. Because people experience stress in different ways, 
any of these can feel like something that can push a marriage to the breaking point. Every relationship, married or not, has rough patches. One of the common ways you can tell if you're growing apart or just going through one of these rough patches is if you've stopped communicating as a couple. When I started to see changes in my marriage, we didn't talk about it. I thought I could just ignore what was happening. I've always been one of those tomorrow will be better kind of people. I thought we could just skip over the bad parts and move on to better days. But no matter how hard you try to ignore it, the bad stuff doesn't go away. It piles up like garbage. And everyone knows what happens when a pile of garbage is ignored for too long. The cheating is not what ended my marriage. That was just the final straw. I knew my marriage was in trouble as soon as I started keeping score, when we would argue about who was responsible for what. It would usually go something like this. I'd say, you don't help out around the house enough. I feel like I have to do everything. And he'd respond, oh yeah, well, you don't show me as much affection as I need. To which I would reply, well, I might show you more affection if you treated me better outside of the bedroom. And on and on and on, but usually, you know, shouting and a lot of swear words peppered in. It was an endless loop of blaming and finger-pointing. There was no clear communication of what we expected from each other, just a lot of bitching when the other person didn't meet our unstated expectations. Looking back, could my marriage have been saved if we had just been more open and honest with each other? I don't know. That's one of those unanswerable questions that I try not to dwell on. I can tell you this. Once I discovered the affair, there was no going back for me. We tried. We tried to work through it to get past it. But for me, the trust was gone. And we were just delaying the inevitable. I don't know if marriages are meant to, to last a lifetime or if monogamy is a natural state. And if we are meant to learn and grow as we age, there is no guarantee that you will grow together or at the same rate as your partner. But if you want to at least have a shot of staying together, as with all things, communication is key. And not just when you're angry or hurt and throwing accusations at each other at how the other isn't living up to their end of the contract. Please don't do this. Learn from me. It doesn't work. No one is listening during an argument. You're just formulating your next response. If you're feeling disconnected from your partner, you need to talk to them about it. Not in an accusatory, angry way, but in a calm, open, and honest way. Women tend to talk to other women when they're experiencing hard times in their relationship when, if they just tried talking to their partner, a lot of these issues could be resolved because men are natural fixers, but they can't fix something that they don't know is broken. Just as important as communication is showing up for each other. This one often gets overlooked because most couples think the other person just knows they'll be there if something happens. Like, of course, you'll be there by their side, you know, if something catastrophic happens. No question. 
You guys will come together to support each other and get through it. But what about just the day-to-day dealings with life? These are the times when showing up for your partner are the most important because it shows consistency and commitment. Show up for each other every day, physically, emotionally, and socially. I'm guilty of not showing up in my marriage. You know, for example, I didn't like camping. (laughs) I hate it, as a matter of fact. But, you know, we would go camping because it was what he wanted to do. Although I would complain the entire time we were planning it and was pretty miserable the entire time we were there. I wasn't as emotionally supportive as I could have been. When he was in a bad mood, I didn't ask about it. I left him alone to sort it out because I didn't want that bad mood turned on me. And socially, there were many of his friends I didn't like. They drank too much. They were immature, irresponsible, and I didn't want to be around them. But the time he spent with them was time not spent with me. Of course, I had my justifications for all of this. Why should I go camping? He is never interested in anything why I want to do. Why do we always have to do just what he wants to do? Why can't we say, go see a musical from time to time? Oh, he wants me to be more emotionally supportive? When was the last time he asked me about my day? Or how I was feeling? Or why I was in a bad mood? And what about my friends? When was the last time we hung out with our favorite couple? You know, the ones that introduced us, the ones we used to have so much fun with while we were dating? How come every time we go out with friends, it's just your friends? Keeping score got me a divorce. Divorce sucks. It's hard and it's painful, no matter what gets you there. But for me, Divorce was a better alternative than staying in a marriage where neither of us was happy. In the end, it really is just about finding out what works for you and your partner and being clear about your expectations and your deal breakers. Marriage is just one option of many when it comes to commitment. As long as religion exists, marriage will never really be outdated. There will always be couples who want their union blessed and witnessed by their God. I'm just no longer convinced it's necessary. Maybe it is time to throw out the notion of what marriage is supposed to be and redefine it as it actually is. Just two people joining in union for as long as they both are happy. Maybe we aren't meant to just have one significant adult relationship. I mean... At least I hope we aren't. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks so much for coming back for episode 39. And thank you for sticking with me through all of the mishaps for the last few weeks. I noticed that I had gotten a ton more downloads in the past week, which means you guys are all catching up on past episodes. And I really appreciate that. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast, and like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, and then tell them to listen, especially now that they can. 
If you have questions or topic suggestions, email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Love you. Bye. Thank you.